Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 194, brought to you by Hook'em.com and our really good friends at Bud Light. My name's Cedric Golden. I'm joined by the Duck Herc Bowles and an old favorite of ours who I know from personal experience enjoys himself a Bud Light. Our guy, Rob Babers, Texas legend, is on the line. Rob B, what's cracking? Oh, man, I'm doing great, man. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. If it was a little later in the day after my show, <laughs> I'd be light right now, but it's a little too early. <laughs> well, speaking of your show, I know people need to know the show's called Triple Option, and you're on three to seven weekdays with yep. our, our buddy Kevin Dunn and Brad Kellner, who looks really young in the publicity photo. Uh, 104.9 The Horn, and always some good laughs. If I'm on the road, I'm, I'm listening, Rob B. I might not always text you, but I'm usually listening. I had, to, I had to give the black quarterback, Donnie Little, a shout-out a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> it, was, it was a black quarterback before VY. No doubt, man. I know Donnie Little very well, man. We used to hang out at um, – he used to throw a little music festival down here, man. And yeah, now and now he's working in Tyler, right? He's in, he's in. I tell believe me, he's. Tell me I, something about my hometown that I don't know, I, but I know I know he he was hanging out with Earl a few weeks ago in my hometown. Okay, well I gotta go make sure, but I believe Tyler Juco was where he was at, something like that, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, check me out on that. You the journalist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Rod B, uh, I went to Lubbock uh, last weekend and. Uh, didn't like everything I saw, as Texas fans will attest, but they came out with the W, which is all that counts. What's your general uh, reaction to what you saw in Lubbock on Saturday, Rod? Yeah, to me, it was it, – it's strange. You know, they had no business winning that game. <laughs> right. Also, losing that game all at the same time. Both of those things can be true. A lot right. of mistakes made on offense defense and special teams so there's a lot to correct but it did show me that Sam Ellinger man when um you got Sam Ellinger you do always have a chance I love the story uh, that he went to his coach with three you know with 313 left down 15 and said oh man they left us too much time we're gonna go down there and win it that's DYS type swagger uh to be able to tell your coach <laughs> I mean your win probability at that point was what 0.01 percent but I <laughs> Teammates, they believed in them. And I believe in Sam Ellinger, too. I think if they clean up some of the mistakes, they won't put so much of a burden on him. There were times in that game, guys, where he was trying too hard because I think he saw, I got to win this game because my defense, the, the special teams, uh, even the offensive line may not get it done. I may have to do it all on my own. And when Sam starts thinking like that and playing like that, I think that's a liability. I do, too, Rod. And uh, I know that you're one of the better tacklers to ever come through Texas. And 
that's that's your stat. I mean, I I tune in, I tune into your show to hear about the missed tackles. You chart them. I know you chart them. Uh, what was that picture? I know what my eyes saw, but what did the numbers say? Uh, I charted 19. Now, guys, I only chart a missed tackle when a guy actually attempts a tackle. So sometimes, you know, remember the the TJ Basher slant route that ends up being a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Multiple tackles on that play. Right. Uh, count Jalen Green as a missed tackle on that play because he never actually attempted a tackle. He was running with him, but he <laughs> never attempted the tackle, so he didn't get a missed tackle. A lot of guys took bad angles to the football that took them out of the play, so they didn't attempt to tackle. So to so some people, that's a missed tackle, but not to me. So with that definition, I counted 19 missed tackles, guys, but you could have easily gotten up to 25. I wonder what Tom Herman's count is, and I'd like to know that. But as a result of those missed tackles, I counted 167 extra yards. Two of the touchdowns Texas Tech scored on offense. They had multiple missed tackles on those. There were 10 different players that missed those 19 tackles. Uh, Most of those probably by the linebacking core, to be honest with you. And I think that's where Texas Tech targeted the guys. They targeted, and it was a brilliant offensive game plan by David Yost. He targeted the intermediate area of that defense, short to intermediate area. We all know, we were all worried about the linebackers. Before the season started, they put those linebackers in conflict constantly, and those linebackers did not rise to the occasion. When those guys were put in conflict, you often saw them give up plays or you often saw them miss tackles because they were out of position. And when Texas adjusted by putting the safeties in the box, bringing down Chris Brown, bringing down Kate Stearns into the box to help those linebackers more, to help out with that short, high-percentage passing game, they started attacking the corners. And Texas corners did not hold up in coverage and man-to-man either. So the corners were exposed when they tried to help the linebackers. Guys, that blueprint will be replicated every week in the Big 12. Fixes it. So put it in perspective for us, Rod B. I mean, as far as uh, historical value, uh, how bad was the tackling as far as you've seen? I remember a couple of UCLA games, you know, where (laughs) UCLA scored 55 points at – it often then the one in the Rose Bowl wasn't much better. Uh, the, the guys, the one that I've seen, I mean, there are a few that are really bad. I mean, the BYU game that I was in in Provo was probably among the worst. Oh, wow. That I've ever seen in my life. That got Manny Diaz fired. I mean, essentially, that was the game that got him fired. Um, <laughs> that, that, that may have been your last game as a sideline reporter, too, Robbie. <laughs> 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 I think you're right, said, said, I wrote about it. I wrote about it. I, we digress. Because I, I have the truth about what I saw, all right? And, and it that's wasn't, why I love him. That's why I love him. He tells the truth. Exactly. So my concern here is, guys, I, I think it is something that Texas can get better at. We even saw those Texas teams uh, were held last year, right? Todd Orlando's teams uh, were dreadful at times at missing tackles. But in the Alamo Bowl against Utah, they were a sound tackling team. Right. So, you know, it's something that can be fixed. So I think the COVID offseason is a big issue, of course. But you're bringing in uh, Chris Ash, who's one of his calling cards. Right. Is that he teaches the rugby tackling style. That was one of his obsessions. Uh, he, he solved that problem for Urban Meyer at Ohio State. So I still have faith that they'll get that done. They just need time. They need reps and guys effort. Effort's going to be a big part of this, right? Pursuit to the football. And there were guys out there, that poor tackling effort at times. You can't have that. that can, that's inexcusable, the poor tackling effort. So I think that's something that Tom Herman will get cleaned up. He said those guys were embarrassed by watching that film. And I understand how that feels. Um, Rod, Rod um, did you say rugby tackling style or Rutgers tackling style? <laughs> I, I, I don't remember. I, I, I lost you, Elder. Which oh, you're hating now. 
my, my, my earpiece is working. Did you say Rutgers or Rutgers? Well, let's, let's hear what Tom Herman had to say about the tackling. Our, our players on defense, they're, they're embarrassed. You know, they, they watched the same video you watched and, and the same, they were part of the same game. Everybody else saw. And uh, they know that, that uh, they've, they've got to tackle better. They've, they've got to, um, you know, it wasn't, Really, for for the most part, any missed assignments or or uh, out of position, we we just didn't finish plays uh, when when we needed to, and so I think you know really just learning those lessons and and being able to to coach a group of guys that's that's hungry to be coached rather than than licking their wounds after a loss. They 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 won the game. They're happy they won the game, but they understand that that we can't uh, accomplish our goals playing like that. Uh, each and every week. I think that's the first time he's ever said embarrassed since yep. he's been coaching here. I do. Yeah, I do. Well, yeah. Let's go. Let's talk about rugby tackling. Uh, how familiar are you with that, Rod? Does it work? How many other DCs in college use that style? I am not that. For, when I was playing, that wasn't a popular style. You know, Pete Carroll's the one that popularized this when the Seattle Seahawks made their Super Bowl run in 2014. As a matter of fact, Chris Ash, he credits Pete Carroll uh, for inspiring him to adopt the rugby tackling style. And Pete Carroll claims that it is a safer style of tackling because it's something that you can practice and replicate in practice without a lot of the other uh, variables of the physicality that gets guys hurt or exposing them to injury. Uh, also, they believe that it's a it's a more sound tackling style in the open field for in, in the open field. And now these days you work in space. So I, I believe in Pete Carroll and Pete Carroll's uh, a brilliant defensive mind. So that's where he got it from. And even Urban Meyer admitted that at first he wasn't on board with the, the rugby tackling style. Uh, and they were actually one of the worst teams in the country when Chris Ash decided to convince Urban Meyer of, you know, adopting the rugby tackling style. And Urban Meyer credits it with being one of the reasons they won the national title uh, in a few years later. So it's, it has worked um, here at Texas. I don't know if they have the time right now to implement it, considering all the bad technique and all the bad fundamentals we've seen this team uh, utilize in tackling under Todd Orlando. I mean, Todd Orlando was teaching these guys to uh, to launch themselves like a missile, to project themselves like a projectile into ball carriers, which works at times. It can to give you the big, you know, splash play. You want the sports center highlight, that's great. But, guys, I never had a sports center highlight uh, hit, hit like that. I just got guys to the ground. It wasn't pretty, and it didn't look sexy. Uh, but, man, just hit, hang on, and hope for help. Sometimes that's just the more effective way to tackle. Just call for the, just wait for the cavalry to show up and slow them down. Your friends are coming. Your boys are coming. Just slow them down and use the sideline. There's, I mean, I, that, that's the uh, that's the Roderick Thompson run at the end of the game, the seventy something yard run. Right. Nobody use the sideline. Yeah. Push him out. Push him out. I mean, come on, come exactly. on. So really, are you almost saying? He really misses the spring drills and maybe a fuller August, a normal off-season thing to implement the rugby, and that's going to be a big part of why this is going to be a slower work in progress. No question. I mean, think about it, guys. I mean, no spring training at all. That's why, I just, I, honestly, I think it hurts the offensive line more, too. I mean, think about it. We know more than any other group, position group, the offensive line works as a unit, right, all of them together. Right. And 
can't like I can go out there and do one-on-one drills with a wide receiver. I'm still within the the COVID regulations. Everything's fine, and we actually can bring a quarterback out and we can practice one-on-one. I can work my bump and run technique. I can work my my hips and my leverage, my eyes, all those things. If you're an offensive lineman, when are you working on offensive line right. drill? Talking about ones that are actually relevant in pads, being able to be physical. They probably. <laughs> done that all off season until training camp. So I think their progress, unfortunately, is going to be slow. But I think also for the DBs, and think about how bad we were at tackling guys. We led the Big 12 in missed tackles last year. We led the Big 12 in missed tackles last year. We were that bad. We averaged 12 missed tackles per game. We did improve through as the year went on, but we were really bad. So we have to think about where we're coming from. <laughs> we're coming as one of the worst tackles teams in the country and that is where Chris Ash has to start his reform of tackling here at Texas so unfortunately you got to learn on the fly and you don't really have a lot of time it's the big 12 you have air rate ish offenses you're going to play now there's uh Sonny Cumbie and Doug Meacham are back together there at TCU right you got Lincoln Riley uh at Oklahoma so those teams are going to try to put you in space and try to exploit the fact that you you've been bad at tackling let's just be honest I know, Rod, um, you mentioned Doug Meacham and Sonny Comby. It's almost going to be like playing Texas Tech in back-to-back weeks. Texas uh, plays host to TCU 11 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, but is it going to present the kind of problems we saw in Lubbock? Is TCU that dynamic? Uh, I, don't, I don't fear, even though he lit Texas up last, last year, I don't really fear Max Duggan like I fear Alan Bowman, who's been doing it for a while. I agree. When Alan Bowman got in the groove, uh, when he got in the rhythm, that's why you would see them go up-tempo. That's why I worry about this, too. I believe tempo hurts Texas' defense as well. Uh, so I think you expect them to go tempo. I expect them to have a short, intermediate, high-percentage passing game. So that helped out, you know, Alan Bowman, too, versus Texas. That fit there. That was really compatible with their DNA. That's what they like to do anyway. So Max Duggan, who's not really an accurate passer, I can see them trying to get him in a rhythm by also taking advantage of Texas linebackers with the short intermediate passing game. So you're going to see that with TCU. I'm with you. I'm not really – I'm not concerned about Duggan – beating Texas with deep, accurate throws. I think if he's going to do it, and I know he completed some of those last year, I'm, I think it'll be the short intermediate passing game they'll try to work against Texas and try to keep drives alive against Texas. Uh, they won't be as potent as a t- Texas Tech, in my opinion, because Texas Tech's wide receivers were the real deal. I like mm-hmm. Texas wide receivers. I think yeah. they're a good uh, – but I don't think TCU's got wide receivers as good as Texas Tech's. Right. Well, Jalen Rager's gone. He's in the NFL now. T.J. Basher – for Texas Tech, six six body, you know, he's going to be a player. He's tough to deal with. The trouble is, you got Max Duggan's legs. You know, Alan Bowman didn't run, and Duggan's a much much better athlete. So he's going to. You got to keep that defense honest. So they got to be uh, especially guarded against him running, don't they? I totally agree with you, Kerry. That's my. That's to me. That's the biggest concern is when yeah. the play down and then Duggan just becomes an athlete, right? He's no longer trying to be a quarterback. He's no right. longer working technique in the pocket. No, he's just going to run out there in the open field. And we know our linebackers miss more tackles versus Texas Tech than any other position group. Uh, so I'm worried about our linebackers trying to spy him and also when he gets in the open field. So if I'm TCU, it's a great point, Kirk. I think the design run game has got to be a big part of it too. And I, I wonder if that is a concern though with Max Duggan considering, you know, what, three, four weeks ago, he was, he, we considered he wasn't going to play football ever again in his life. Had a heart uh, condition, yes. 
heart condition. But I, I mean, I, I'm sure that's not a concern and he's safe and ready to go. But maybe because their quarterback depth is a question, maybe they don't want to expose him too much because I don't know what they have behind him. But quarterback run game has got to be a big part of your game plan versus Texas because I'm with you. I would expose those linebackers in the open field. Yeah, that was a very good point. I mean, Gary Patterson was on the conference call Monday and said uh, Duggan's hands were cramping up on the sideline just from playing a half because Matt Downing, the, the walk-on to Georgia who transferred, started the game. So I think he's a little leery of, of maybe playing a whole game. You're right, Rod B. So, so he may use them both. He may use both quarterbacks. And, you know, speaking of Gary Patterson, you know, he's kind of the defensive guru in this league. What is it about his coaching style that makes him so successful, Rod? Uh, well, I think from the ground up, uh, and that's why the NFL loves Gary Patterson, you know, I think his hybrid defenses um, are really something that has been able to be really effective versus spread offenses, uh, and especially the types of players he recruits. He likes to have guys who are, like I said, more of a hybrid defenders on the outside. Uh, he's always Gary, been- Hughes. Gary Hughes is one. Air uses one. I mean, he's got tons of those guys, right? And I think that fits well in a position flex, almost positionless football that we're heading towards. More and more starting to hear that term. Uh, Gary Patterson's defenses are perfectly suited to defend that kind of football. But, I mean, let's be honest. The truth is nobody's really been able to stop you know, these air raid-ish offenses. I mean, even Gary Patterson, when he came into the Big 12, he got lit up by him and he sold his soul to Doug Meacham and Sonny Cumbie and had his best ever in 2014, right? And this is what scares me, guys. I think, honestly, I think Max Duggan is kind of like Trevon Boykin to me. Remember Trevon Boykin was playing wide receiver? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. right. They put him in a perfect offense, perfectly compatible with his skill set, and then, boom, 2014 happens, mm-hmm. which he's – and I think, you know, you can do that with Max Duggan potentially too. But getting back to, to the defense, I think the position flex is what excites me about Gary Patterson. He's always been one of those guys that likes the hybridism, I like to call, in football, positionless football. He was headed there before a lot of teams were. Now it's popular, but it's something he was doing out of necessity years ago. Where are the sacks, Rob B., from Chris Ash? Uh, I don't think Texas had one in Lubbock. Where are the sacks? Getting pressure, though, guys. I wish college football counted pressures. I think pro football focus does it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I wish more, you know, uh, ESPN and more mainstream sites calculated pressures. Because, I, I mean, how many pressures we think Joseph Osai got in that game? He, he was, was getting so the round. close. He was so he was close. So close. Game of inches. Uh, so I think they're getting pressure, but you're right. It is it's obviously not – it's not culminating into sacks. Uh, in the Big 12, that's going to be a problem because, as Kirk mentioned, you're going to meet more and more dual-threat quarterbacks who can evade that pressure, right, who can, who can uh, get outside the pocket, who can make something happen. So I am a little worried about that production. But if they keep applying the pressure, I think it will lead to – uh, pressures of deception will lead to turnovers for Texas. Uh, and they did create three turnovers in that game. Uh, so I know the defensive line not getting the sacks people wanted. That was also the case in, versus UTEP. I think sooner or later those pressures will start uh, culminating in the sacks. You just got to give it some time. Right. And two huge takeaways. Chris Brown, interception. Chris Adamora had an interception. So yep. you know, and, and chains flipped the field. So those were huge. We've been kind of on downer a little bit, and they did win. So, who's playing well on defense? How much do you like Josh Thompson? What do you see there? 
I I like Adamora. Uh, I like him. They attacked him too. They came after him, guys. I mean, that first touchdown they threw right. at Adamora. Coverage actually was great. He just it was just a great throw and a, a great play by the wide receiver. So I like Adamora. He's big. He's athletic. So I think he's going to be a, a game changer for the Longhorns. I, I mean, I really love Joshua Sai. I think Joshua Sai's got a chance to be the defensive player of the year in the Big Twelve. And I, I think if he's, you know, if he can just continue to do what he did versus Tech, he'll start racking up some of those sacks. Uh, Caden Stearns, I want to see. I mean, I know he got a pick in the game, interception in the game. I would like to see him make more splash plays. That's what we want to see from Stearns. I mean, he's a he's a ball hawk. He's got mm-hmm. great instincts. So I want to see him go out there and make more splash plays because he's one of those guys that you know, if that defense is going to be, uh, you know, a really opportunistic defense, he's got to have a good year. Really impressed with Chris Brown. Man, Chris Brown is just such a good player. So strange that, and maybe it's just a late bloomer. So strange that it took his last two years for him to get on the field, but I really like him. Uh, really like Keandre Coburn. He's continues to push the pocket. He's doing really, really well. Uh, I'm just concerned about the linebackers, guys. I'm concerned about Overshow with the transition. I think in the future he's going to be a great young linebacker, but right now, not real. I, I don't think it's the lights coming on for him at linebacker just yet. Um, and he's got a good D line in front of him. So our linebackers, even though they're not necessarily high caliber linebackers right now they should be kept relatively clean because the D-line is legit, yeah. right? Got some more right. daddies line. So I'm a little concerned with, with, their, uh, uh, with, with their underwhelming performance versus Texas Tech. So that's my biggest concern, but we already knew that going in. Well, I mean, the play right before the half said, I don't know if you've been watching that on TV, remember the, the swing pass that was a lateral? If Overshaw oh. jumps on that, they yeah. got an easy dicker field goal try. So yeah, you're oh, right. I didn't see that one. I didn't see that one. That's right. You were at A&M, and John Mitchell had a couple of what he thought touchdowns <laughs> on, on the takeaways. Damn, you're right. <laughs> so, uh, how about Josh Thompson? You haven't mentioned him yet. I have not. Listen, I, I, I like the premise of Josh Thompson. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, love what he could, I love what he could be. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I like the idea that, you know, he's long rangy. You see him with his, with his shirt off and he's, you know, swole, he's cut and he looks like one of those, you know, a, a legion of boom, a Seattle Seahawks corner out there. Right. He'd be one of those right. guys, his hips, he has really stiff hips for a corner in the big 12. That concerns me. Now Quentin Jammer had really stiff hips, but Quentin Jammer had 36 inch pythons and, <laughs> <laughs> and Greek God, so he's a little <laughs> like a four three. So he's a little bit different, but I, I understand why they like Josh Thompson, especially in the system where they want press quarters coverage and they want to get their hands on receivers and reroute them. The problem is, said that they didn't do that in versus Texas Tech. They did it versus Utah, but I think I think I am at forty years old. I believe I can go out there and have a good bump and run technique versus UTEP receivers. Like I don't think they were that impressive. Texas Tech, they got some dogs, as y'all know, right? Mm-hmm. And I think came out there and they actually they were salivating uh, uh, looking forward to them playing bump and run because they thought they could get off of those jams and they did they got right. away from those when Texas is at the line of scrimmage using the bump and run technique and they don't get a jam and they end up being a ends up being a track meet you see they're oftentimes out of position later on in the play when it mm-hmm. comes time to make a play on the football mm-hmm. and one is connected to the other so if they're not going to get a jam just back them on up 
If they're not going to get a jam up there, then back them up because they're not doing themselves any good by just turning and running with wide receivers. This is making mm-hmm. it easy on the wideouts. So I think Chris, uh, Chris Ash wants them to get a jam. Josh Thompson is probably the best at that. Deshaun Jameson was a little um, – uh, he was a little grown. He was he was outmanned out there, if you will, because his size didn't really give him a a matchup advantage um, or a way to match up with the tech wide receiver. So I think he was at a disadvantage there. I do like Jalen Green, but Jalen Green has really bad eyes and he's got really bad technique, but he's he looks the part. So and Kenyatta Watson also struggles with bump and run. So they got a lot of corners that look the part. Yeah. But I don't play the part. Yeah. That's my- well, you, you played in a day where y'all didn't shuttle in a lot of cornerbacks. I mean, it was you and Jammer um, oh. for the most part, you know. And uh, does it come to a point, and Kirk and I always talk about this with wideouts, uh, when they had all those wideouts last year, they didn't really hit a groove until he cut that down to like four main yeah. guys. Uh, is he playing too many cornerbacks, and does he need to kind of cut a little bit of the fat off to see if he could get some more cohesion on that back end? That's a great question. And I and, and it, then there's the opposite, you know, opinion, right? Said that I have to play these guys because they didn't get – I didn't get a spring practice to evaluate them. Um, I didn't get our true offseason to work with them and evaluate them. So I really need these guys to get these reps to see who, who's a player and who's not. Like, who, 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 are, my, you know, who are my top corners and who's not? Um, so I think there's an argument for both, but I would err on, you know, I probably would err on your side. I'd probably be about picking my top two guys and making sure they're out there for the majority of the plays, I know it's a different era and they spread you out and they throw the football a lot more. So maybe you wear down the corners, but I, I said this uh, on Saturday, I said, man, if they took me out of the game um, and I was the starting corner for Texas, I would have had probably a BJ Foster moment. If that, <laughs> yeah. Right. You just, oh, you're just sitting down. You're, you're going to sit down for a while. We're going to let him play. I'm like, no, I earned the spot. It's my spot. I'm the yeah. top back. I mean, when coach Akina used to sit us, and like you know, rows based on the depth chart, right? You and you'd walk in there one day, and then you know somebody would be sitting uh, a spot behind, and then somebody else would have taken their spot, and that's the way we sat. Uh, the guy that was competing with me for my spot was literally breathing down my neck in the meetings. <laughs> he wanted it that way, though, guys. He wanted it that way. You took pride in having winning that spot. It's my spot. All right. Yeah. I'm- and grind for it. I'm going to stay after practice for it. I'm going to come in early for it. It's my spot. I know Nathan Basher wants it. I know Michael Huff wants my spot. I know. So I'm working with young guys. I'm still going to help them. Um, I want them to be. I want them to be the best version of themselves. But it is my spot because I am the best at this position here. I give my team the best chance to win. So I don't know. I don't know if they are fostering that kind of attitude, right? That's that competitive currency that. Uh, you know, was trying to, you know, get us to spend every day to get us to to cultivate that culture every day that, man, it was always about competition. And you knew your spot was on the line every day because we, Texas had the best of the best in that DB room. And now I know there's an everybody's going to play. It's kind of an everybody gets a trophy kind of thing. Everybody gets a ribbon. Everybody gets a flag. Oh, yeah, everybody's going to play in Texas. And that is good. Everybody, that, that just helps you recruit, right? When you say, hey, all three running backs are going to play, it helps you recruit other running backs. When you right. say, hey, 
play six DBs, and all of them, we rotate those guys in and out. It helps you recruit other DBs. But when I was recruited to Texas, I told Mac Brown, like, I'm going to be the starting cornerback. It's going to be my spot, and that's it. So I would have had a real problem with the new rotation of the, the or on the depth chart. You put an or next to my name on the depth chart, then, Coach, me and you need to have a talk. That's my <laughs> spot. That's uh, who, I, who would you play at cornerback? Who do you think in your mind after two games are the best two cornerbacks on the team, Rod? I think they're playing them. I think it's Josh Thompson and J- Deshaun Jameson are the top two cornerbacks. Okay. They have no question. Uh, I think Deshaun Jameson, he, he'll get beat because he takes chances, right. but makes mistakes. But, man, he's going to make some plays. He's going to make some – you know he's going to make them. You keep testing him, he's going to make you pay sooner or later. I yeah. love guys that got unshakable confidence. Um, I think Jalen Green right now is – I think his self his, his, his confidence is a little low. I think right yeah. now that – because he hadn't made plays in a while and he had the injury last season. And I like Josh Thompson. I do. He's a veteran. I understand what they see in him. He does seem to be the best press coverage corner they have, and they want to play press man coverage. Um, They disrupt more routes versus tech, and they couldn't. But I I think Josh Thompson and Sean Jameson would be my two picks. I like Kenyatta Watson. I know he's a physical freak. They need to work more technique with him. And with Jalen Green, it's a confidence issue, man. At corner, when you're – your confidence is shot. I think, man, wide receivers can smell it like dogs smell fear. They know it, man. They know it. They come after you. can tell the body language. Um, you don't see that with Deshaun Jameson when you get beat. You're going to get beat in the Big 12. You're going to get beat. But you just got to be able to recover really quickly. And I don't see that enough from Jalen Green. I, I, got, I got one more question. It's like, why the hell aren't you on the coaching staff? <laughs> how, many I mean, times have I, how many times have I said that to you, Kurt? I mean, I mean – you know that stuff in and out. I, yes, and like I said, I'm, I, I, I give him a discount, man. I give him a di- I wouldn't even take the, the big time salary, man. You can hire me for pennies on the dollar. Oh my God! <laughs> and, 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 and what black mother is going to say no to Rod B in the living room when, when Zero. He's, he's trying to? Nobody's going to gonna say no. All I do is tell him my story, man. I'll say, listen, you see, he told me, my mama, that I was going to graduate, and I believe it took like. 15 years or 12 years later, but yeah. I graduated and you teach up their promise. They'll keep their promise to you. That's I, had what no, I, I, I had no idea you went to medical school, Rod. I had no <laughs> idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will, we will keep uh, trumpeting you and uh, get you on that coaching staff or any coaching staff. If Texas isn't smart enough to hire you, somebody should because uh, – hey. Appreciate you, it, got, you got so much knowledge, and man, we just love you and your personality, man. Man, we do. It's been great. This has been Anytime. awesome. I let Thanks. you know. I love y'all's work. Y'all keep killing it, man. Thanks for the hey, education, Rod, Rod. Appreciate it, man. Be good, dog. On second thought. True crime lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello, plus better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. That's the great Rob Babers, ladies and gentlemen. That's the great Rob Babers. And he is, he's as good as, as he sounds. He's as good as he looks. I worked with him for three years. 
Yeah. Just an awesome, awesome individual. And always a pleasure to have him on the show, Doug. It's so much fun. And like I said, he's got so much knowledge and it's not knowledge like you and I try to impart. He did it. He's played that role and he's been a star on the field and had growing pains and gotten better and better. And uh, yeah, that was fun. Well, you know what? Let's, let's just keep it rolling, Duck. Um, big news in the NFL, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, their game against the Tennessee Titans has been postponed. The Rona finally, it took the Rona three weeks, Doug, but the Rona said, look, NFL, you really think that you're going to get through a season without dealing with me? And so the Titans have had three players uh, that I've probably never heard of. Uh, these <laughs> players tested positive along with five team personnel staff. So that's eight. Now, on a, on a related note, the Titans played the Minnesota Vikings this past week, lost, um, I mean, beat them 31-30. But Minnesota reported no positives, and the Minnesota Vikings will play a schedule at the Houston Texans on Sunday. What do you think this is going to do to the NFL moving forward? We knew it was coming. Well, you know, they've been having these conversations since summer, you know, and you're right. I think everybody knew it was coming, and uh, it is here. The virus remains undefeated uh, to this point. And uh, so I don't think there's any shock in at uh, Park Avenue NFL headquarters, but uh, it'll be interesting. I know they've, they've talked about moving games to Monday or, you know, moving to Tuesday whenever, but it's going to be interesting because as competitive as that league is, everybody's going to want to get the same number of games in. And I don't know if that's possible, but you figure the league's going to move mountains to try to get everybody on that same schedule. They do. They don't have – they have bye weeks figured in, but then how do you fit the teams together if they don't have same bye weeks? And then there's the week uh, extra between the conference championships and the Super Bowl. You know, there's always that two-week uh, window in there. So maybe they have that extra week there, but – it's hard as hell to push playoffs back and everything's on, on television and stuff. So I don't know. What would you do if you were Roger Goodell? And what would you try to get the, the owners and the coaches to agree to, Sid? Well, the first thing I would do is hopefully there's a bye week in there somewhere where, where there's wiggle room. But, boy, if you start, if you start pushing games back, you know, people make travel arrangements months in advance, and that's just a nightmare waiting to happen. I think the good thing about it, Duck, is – there aren't as many fans involved, and a lot of fans travel. Of like the Steelers, for instance, we both know that Steelers and Buffalo Bills they travel better as far as t- people from their home state traveling to other states. They travel as well as anyone. But now that the the league, uh, I don't think there were any fans at the last Steeler game. I watched some of it. I don't think the Ravens game. Were there any of the Chiefs Ravens? I think I did see a few, but there weren't that many, if any. And so I don't know if that's even a consideration to fans. They could always just say no fans this week and no issue refunds. But scheduling is a nightmare, Doug. And it's not like the NBA or the the MLB where if you don't play the same amount of games, it's not as big a deal because there's so many games. Right. Uh, 16 games, and that's, that could be the difference. One game could be the difference between you making the playoffs and missing it. So uh, mm-hmm. it's a tough call for Goodell. I don't know what he's going to do. 
and some things may change between now we're having this conversation on Wednesday where we tape and this weekend. So um, I don't know. I, I, I would say my first inclination would be to, first of all, you quarantine, I guess you quarantine, you go, you definitely quarantine those people that tested positive and they've shut down the facility. And uh, I, I think Monday would be your most viable option, especially since you have these rapid response tests at your disposal. They have, they shut down the Tennessee building and uh, they, uh, also, I think they shut down the uh, Minnesota building, too, even though they didn't have any positives at all. Uh, I know uh, Tennessee's playing Pittsburgh, and do you also maybe tell Pittsburgh to shut down their facility to try to make it more equitable? If, if Tennessee can't practice and be in the building physically, do you tell their opponent, Pittsburgh, that you need to shut it down? Fair's fair. Uh, but, well, you can you can tell him that, Doug. But are well, they gonna listen? Is well, Mike Tomlin gonna say, <clears throat> "Sure, we'll shut it down"? I don't think Mike Tomlin would be happy with that. That decision would have to come from from the owners. They would all have to get together, and sure. maybe Doug, I'm, I, I I don't know this to be certain, but the ownership in NFL is usually a pretty organized group. Surely there's been some some contingency plans that were discussed uh, about just this sort of occasion because we we knew it was probably going to happen as many people travel and as many t- people are on a football team and on a staff. So it, it, it probably has been discussed. If someone has to shut it down, maybe you shut it down too. Because I know if, if – uh, if uh, the the microphones don't work on the visiting team sideline, right? They make the home team shut down their mics. Right. This is this is a much bigger uh, scenario than that. But uh, I think fair is fair. But I don't know that Mike Tomlin would want to get down with that. Well, I would say sorry, Mike Tomlin. It's not up to you. Uh, the league office has determined. Tennessee's not practicing. Guess what? You're not practicing either. And, you know, a part of me wonders, is it, would it be that big a deal? Because we know they don't, they probably don't hit much in the NFL during the they week. Don't. They don't. No. So it's the more cerebral, the mental part of it. And it's easy to govern. I mean, you tell Pittsburgh, you shut it down and the league office sends a minion there to, to, to make sure that that is enforced. So, uh, we know the league is taking it serious because they meted out fines of uh, $1.75 million for coaches that didn't wear their mask. And there were some just uh, some abusers off the charts like John Payton and Nick Fangio and, and even Gruden, you know, they just, yeah, a lot of them didn't try. So I think they got their attention when they, they put out those fines. But uh, as far as your Talked about scheduling. It's such a real problem. And I say push it back to Monday. If you have to push it back to Tuesday, do that. And then the following week, if you have to push those back to Monday, because fans aren't many fans in the stands. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Houston hosting Minnesota Sunday, I think they'd plan to have, you know, a modicum number like ten or 13,000. Mm-hmm. They got it approved. So I would play with the schedule. If you have to play on a Monday, uh, have double headers like you and I've always been in favor of. Do that. I love uh, double headers on Monday. Play it on a Tuesday, and, and just got to be flexible because, like we said, the virus is undefeated. 
the virus is undefeated and it's going to continue to be undefeated until we find a vaccine. Uh, since we're talking NFL, um, we're going to be watching from the house this weekend. Um, what are your thoughts on Baker Mayfield venturing in to Dallas to play the Cowboys, his Cleveland Browns? That Dallas secondary, and I know Rob, Rob B could probably speak on this too. He, he's such a he's just such a brain when it comes to secondary play, You're, and he should be a coach. Um, do you think the Browns are going to light up that secondary? Is this the time that Odell Beckham and Juice Landry finally, finally click in the same game and Baker goes off? Because the Cowboys just might be the worst secondary in all of football. Well, they've got their share of problems there. We, we've, we've seen that. That's been clear. But, you know, Rod B talked about effort. And you look at it, Trayvon Diggs, who, who's, who's been burned so much. But you look at his effort in racing down DK Metcalf. And, I love him. I really like him. Mm-hmm. That's, boy, you can't coach that. That's, mm-hmm. that's the heart that you like to see. And uh, so th- they've got their issues. They do. Uh, and the, you talk about the Cleveland Browns. They're the winning Cleveland Browns now. Look out. Look they, out. He got a winning record. And you know this is going to mean everything to Baker Mayfield. And I always like it when the – no, it's just another game. Okay, you're coming back to your home state. You're playing the Cowboys. It's not another game. And you know he's going to want to be just really sharp. But I like the Cowboys in this one because the Cowboys are not in a groove. You know, they've they've been behind, behind by double digits and had to play from behind. They can't use Zeke as much as they want. What do you have, like – 34 yards rushing uh, against Seattle. And you know what? Uh, you can't you can't really feed Zeke when Russell Wilson's the other quarterback. No, because you get behind. You're on the gas and you're behind and you know he's not going to stop throwing. You just don't have time to establish Ezekiel Elliott. And Tony Pollard has fallen out of favor because he fumbles and he's dumb on the go on kick returns and He's not. He's just not a cerebral player. But I like. I like the Dallas offense, Duck. I oh, mean, yeah. this built for shootouts. Let's just keep it real. Uh, Michael Gallup finally showed up. Um, Ceedee Lamb's as good as we thought he was going to be. How about Cedric Wilson coming Cedric out of nowhere. Wilson. How about Cedric Wilson uh, getting all those targets and not dropping a pass? He was electric. He was and Dallas is Dallas is built for that kind of game. I don't know if Cleveland's built for a shootout, but on the surface, Duck, if you look at the if the at the personnel, Baker no. Mayfield isn't as good as we thought he'd be at this point. Not right. saying that he will won't be, right? But but he's capable. He's got two really good receivers. Odell Beckham is elite. I think the offense has, has curtailed his production, and they've got the best one-two punch at running back. In the league, Nick Chubb is very good, and Kareem Hunt is a starting running back had he not slugged a woman on tape. He's starting somewhere. So I, I think it's going to be way closer than it probably should be, but I think that, that Dallas has the right amount of desperation after what went down in the uh, Pacific Northwest. I think the Cowboys are going to get a W, and uh, I think they're going to be okay this weekend. 
Well, and you, they added uh, Austin Hooper, the tight end, uh, uh, to their arsenal. And like you said, that running back tandem's unmatched. Nobody can compare to you know a Chubb and Hunt in the backfield. So I think it's going to be another shootout. Said I, I see another wild one. You know, it could be another thirty-eight, thirty-five kind of game, but. There better be a sense of urgency with this Cowboy team. You do not want to fall to a one and three, uh, even though the NFC East has kind of been a joke. It's bad. It's as it, bad it, as it was it, last year. And that's going to save them because you got six games there that you ought to be able to win five of them, if not more. So, But uh, it should start here. Yeah, there's only one good quarterback in the NFC East. Yeah. It should I mean. start with uh, the game against the Browns. And, uh, you know, Jerry's going to – Walt McCarthy, okay, put your pedal to the metal and uh, get a W at home, which you I think You mentioned sense of urgency. The Houston Texans, 0-3. Yeah. Our friend John McClain, like I, like we said to Rod, he said that they were going to be 0-3, and, yeah. and he thinks they're going to finish 10-6. and 6. Is, is Bill O'Brien – is he going to survive this, Duck? And we we ask that question every year. And we're neither one of us is a big fan of Bob. Right. But um, they they could <clears throat> lose to the Minnesota Vikings, who have an elite running back and and a quarterback. While he can be kind of a mental dummy at times, in Kirk Cousins, he can still light you up. So I I, I don't really. I love Deshaun Watson, but it wouldn't surprise me if the if the Vikings went in there and beat us. Won't shock me either. You're talking sense of urgency on both parts. I mean, you got two winless teams here, desperate to try to save their season. You don't want to start zero and four. I don't know if there's been an zero and four team, you know, make the playoffs, but I can't imagine uh, uh, the likelihood is very strong. So uh, yeah, they've got to they've got to produce in this one, and it's like. I watch the Texans and I just go, man, that, that DeAndre Hopkins trade just doesn't make sense to me because David Johnson, while he's still got something left in the tank, is not a game changer. Not anymore. Anymore. Yeah. anymore. And and poor Deshaun Watson doesn't have that go-to guy. I know, you know, Will Fuller's flash a little bit. Okay. He's going to stay healthy. Brandon Cooks has done nothing so far. They're free agent. Randall Cobb has passed his prime. So, I just don't see much there for uh, Texans. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year from from what I've seen. And I wrote in my nine things this week, hire, hire Eric Benamy, bring him down there and uh, see what he can do. Because, boy, they sure need a change of blood uh, down in Houston. And I know Eric Benamy is a great offensive mind. He's been interviewed seven times yeah. and has never been offered a job in the NFL. He's going to get a job yeah. here. And I, I know how this is going to come off, but I'm going to say it anyway, Doug. I hope he doesn't take a bad job because it's hard enough for a black man to get a head coaching job in the league. Mm-hmm. And if he and if the Jets fire Adam Gase, I'm not, I'm not in love with him as a Jets coach, but there are some jobs out there, hopefully, that he that – like, um, like you just mentioned. Deshaun Watson's going to be great for another eight to ten years. That's the job that Eric Bieniemy should want. It's a great, it's a great town. It's a pretty good organization. I still don't like what went down with Rick Smith. I still think there's more to that than meets the eye. Bill O'Brien becomes the GM. Uh, he's not even a good head coach. Why is he a GM? So 
But I think Eric Bieniemy should be very selective because if he gets a bad job and doesn't win, like no one's won with the Jets since Parcells left. So uh, if he gets a bad job, or well, someone won, uh, whoever was the coach when um, someone won, someone won uh, when Sanchez was a quarterback. Uh, but anyway, I can't remember the coach's name. But it was, but it will, it will set black coaches back. So he's got to be smart in his decision making. Well, I got a job for him. If he doesn't go to Houston, look to Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons, where Dan Quinn is blowing big lead after big lead and hadn't been the same since Super Bowl uh, in Houston. Dan, Quinn, Dan Quinn's not going to make it through the season, though. No, and I think, well, he knows what to do with offenses, and they've got some offensive weapons there with the Falcons, with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, and <clears throat> Matt Ryan still got a left, lot left as well. So I'd love to see him at a, at a place like Atlanta that's been in a Super Bowl, or Houston, you know, that could use the infusion of energy and smarts that Derek Bannaby would bring. Look, this has been a great podcast, man. I just I lo- I love doing this, and when we have people like Rod on it, it just makes it even more fun. We're going yeah. to keep rolling with it. Um, the the Texas Longhorns at, how, at home, 11 a.m. on Saturday. We'll be back next week. Check out the Longhorn Confidential podcast that drops on Monday where we will break down the game. Longhorns unfiltered right after the game as well. And we'll be a part of that. So that'll do it for episode 194 of On Second Thought. We got to thank Rob B for, for stopping by and dropping some knowledge on us. For the Duck Perk Bowls, I'm Cedric Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.